so that when Joshua or Jesus had to use his salvation speech, God wanted to speak to his people, even in his what salvation speech? Well, it becomes apparent to us that it was his kingdom speech, Yahweh saves, that was proved also that to the work of salvation by giving his child name. God had given, God had given salvation. See then that salvation is entirely from God. It's a gift from God. So his name even says everything about who our Lord Jesus is. One who brings salvation from God. somewhat different from our practices today. For Jewish babies, their names were not on the first day after they were born, but on the eighth day. The eighth day when Jewish boys and girls were circumcised. So it was in Jesus' day. We learn that from Luke 2, verse 21. Luke 2, verse 21, that verse reads, On the eighth day when it came circumcise him, Jesus came to Nazareth and there the angel had given him before he had been
so dreadful. The sins that leave this world in ruins. The sins that leave our lives in shambles. The sins that cause us guilt and his blood to save us from evil, from suffering, and to save us from our sins. If we were not sinners, if we were not fallen sinners, if we were not lost sinners who could not rescue sinners, then it would have been completely unnecessary for Jesus to call us appreciate all the more that our Savior is called Jesus, the Christ, the self-made Savior. So isn't it a wonder then that we get to hear this evening that God would still give to us that evidence that we deserve to hear something that is different. We don't deserve to hear about a day of salvation at all. Deserve to hear from the Lord is depart from me, you murderers. But instead of that, what we get to hear is this simple greeting from Jesus, announcing to us that God brings salvation. Well, that makes it like a cause of getting at here? What's behind this question? To answer that, we have to for a moment consider the age in which this actually can be written. The Reformed Church was still fresh off the exodus out of the Roman Catholic Church. And in those historical times, and even still today, the Roman Catholic Church teaches and practices praying Whomever else has been inducted 
why in the Roman Catholic Church is this even occurring? In order to obtain from them some kind of contribution somehow because of the good works that they have done in order to help us and assist us toward our salvation. The Catechism swiftly dismisses this erroneous idea as a direct answer to God. But it does not let Protestants off the hook either. For at the base of it, this entire problem is present also in Protestant churches and in Reformed churches too. There, the underlying idea and the underlying error is the same. It's that people do not need Christ alone for their salvation. And the Catechism also makes a point of stressing that we cannot find our salvation in ourselves or anywhere else. How might we do that? How can it happen that we might seek our salvation in ourselves? Well, this can happen only by faith itself. In a good person, a good Christian, after all, you can't do any good things. You're on the straight and narrow path. Maybe fully attend church services. You can properly identify between what is right teaching and what is wrong teaching. It's all true. You read your Bible and you pray and you live a decent life. You're a member of a covenant. You're baptized and confess you're a member of a church in possession of the special promises of salvation. You've been preserved by God from committing any serious or atrocious sin. So long as you don't make any major screw-up of sin, all should go well for you. And maybe, how maybe can this happen? That's the point here, preacher. Surely it's not wrong to read your Bible, go to church, stand amazed at the Lord has rescued your life from the pit. No, not at all. The question here is, what saves us? Where do we find our salvation? On what grounds can we build it on? On what foundation will we plead before the Father to give us entrance into heaven? Well, we must be devoted to the Lord. Our devotion won't do. No, we must be faithful to the Lord with our whole lives. Our faithfulness will not cut it. No, we must be faithful to the Lord always and forever. No, we must be converted. And no, we should prize our covenant status and our upbringing. None of those things can save us. Because none of them can pay our debts. None can remove our sin or bring everlasting peace and access. There is only one who can obtain it. So you must be a complete Savior. For an incomplete Savior can only give an incomplete salvation. And an incomplete salvation is really no salvation at all. So whether we rely in part on the help
substantial or even part of the merits of our own good works, just in order to make this like a dose of reality by telling us that as St. Peter lived, the saving power of our Lord Jesus even rendering it ineffective at times, incomplete. That is why had it been said that those who look for their salvation in Jesus trust in something else. In fact, in their eyes, the only conclusion is Jesus. That's what they are. They're denials. And though they don't say it with words, those who trust in other things besides Jesus are saying, Jesus didn't have to have the name Jesus. He could have been named something else. Because it is not enough. It is not saving. All that he has done is not enough. There must be more. And folks, that would be a terrible mistake to make. Because we cannot undo our sins. We cannot undo the sins of our hands, of our eyes, of our mind, of our heart. We cannot bridge the gap between God and us. No matter how hard we try to pay our debts of our sins to God, we cannot bridge the barrier that that divides God from himself. We cannot even think in our hearts that what we cannot do, but what must be done, that Imagine that you have a, a bunker or underground shelter on your property. And a fierce storm is ripping through the area and causing tons of havoc. Tornadoes have been going through that area for years and time and time. And the warning signal is, is sounded that such a storm is approaching.
Jesus tells us in the Catechism, he says, those who by true faith accept this nature and much finding of all that is necessary for their salvation, they're united with Christ. They accept the Spirit as their Savior. And that's our task for young and old. All we must do is accept that by faith. Because he loves us so completely, all that remains for us with trusting him and showing love and remembering what he has just done for us. There's no other alternative. There's no other alternative option to accepting Jesus as we are now. If we're not accepting him as our only savior, then we don't have the truth and we don't have hope. For we will still be enemies of God, still under the wrath of God, unreconciled to God and unforgiven and that should mean we would be in a state of true hopelessness and despair but the objective of this course is to teach us that there is no salvation in anyone else there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved apart from ignoring the wisdom truth and clinging to Jesus Every other way is a dead end. The Lord Jesus himself declared, he is the truth, the way, and the life. He's the only one that can save us. Many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the old but well-known Christmas hymn, Cross of Ages, written by Augustus Poplar. It's a beautiful hymn about the saving work of Jesus Christ. And we'll close with the lines in the second stanza of that hymn, which express the truth that we've looked at this afternoon in this way. 